you're listening to the Comic Critics Podcast, a radio program and podcast produced at CHMR-FM in St. John's, Newfoundland, and Labrador. It's the show where we consider, critique, and recommend comic books, graphic narratives, and other forms of comic-related popular culture. And welcome to this week's edition of the Comic Critics Podcast and Radio Program. I'm Hans Rollman. And I'm Leah Locke. How are you doing today, Leah? Oh, I'm doing great, Hans. How are you? Excited for summer. Excited to talk about comics. Me too. It's always a good day when you can talk about comic books. It is indeed. This is our, our gutter episode where we just kind of take a few picks of books that we've read recently or long ago, books that stuck with us, books that we want to recommend to listeners. And... Um, would you would you like to kick things off, Leah? Sure, I can. So I brought two books today. So I'll start actually with a, a book that I consider to be a comic classic. And uh, it's called The Arrival by Sean Tan. This is not a recent publication. This book came out in 2006. Um, it is a wordless graphic novel, and it is about the immigration experience. Um, so what it is is it's... It's set in this, what, what seems to be Earth, um, but it, Earth is overcome with invaders of some kind um, in different parts of, of the planet. And people have to immigrate to find safe haven and get away from whatever these beings are. But everywhere you look, like it's, but it's also not Earth. Like their, their language is different, um, their writing is different, their animals and all of these things, their structures, architecture, all of that stuff. So it could be anywhere, but it's a very um, meaningful story that I think is relatable to anybody of any culture from any part of the world. So it's the story of a man who's leaving his home uh, in search of somewhere better for his family to prosper. He has a young daughter and he has a wife and he has to leave them to find something else for them, somewhere safer to be because there's this great shadow looming over where they currently live and they need to get away from that. So um, he goes off on this adventure and he it, it's really beautiful. So the story starts with little glimpses of what is in their current home, you know, a, a cracked teapot, a suitcase open with some clothes folded in it, a picture that the daughter drew of the mom and the dad, all these little snapshots. And um, he's about to leave and you can really sense the tension and the sadness and the sorrow but also the hopefulness that's coming again there's no words in this so this could be you know this this is it accessible to any language i think um, and so off he goes and he goes on this journey crosses over the seas on this great boat you know very similar of the titanic for example and then he comes into a holding station reminds me of pier 21 in halifax and he goes in, he has to write his name down, he gets his eyes checked, his mouth checked, his heart, all of the stuff by the medics there, he gets pinned with a certain identification, um, and then he has to sit and talk and try to explain to people why he is there and why he should be allowed a visa, why he should be allowed to pursue work, and so he does. And it's just, you know, all the steps that people have to take in order to survive elsewhere and then to finally bring his family with him but again there's no words in any of this and everything is just it's kind of like a cross but it's like an immigration story if written by Jules Verne without any words and only illustrated 
it's really exquisite and it's all in sepia tones um, a little bit of black and white mostly sepia when there's some great danger or uncertainty there might be a big storm or something like that you see that it's drawn in black and white instead but the art is absolutely exquisite and when you first open the book what I one of the things that struck me when I first picked it up was that there are all of these images these little tiny squared images of people of all different ethnicities all different backgrounds women men children adults um, and it all looks like ID snapshots what you would see in your passport it looks like passport photos and I was really struck by that so I read this book probably in 2006 and then I, I got it more recently at a secondhand sale from my local library actually and um, but it's a book that I've taught when I was a teacher and one that I've talked about and written about in my comic blogs and all of these things because this is a book that I think should be read by absolutely everybody and it's very universal in the fact that it has no language but the story is universal and the and the language that it is expressing itself through art is also universal and it's all done in what seems to me to be pencil and it's exquisite so that's the arrival by sean tan it's what also it? larger than your typical graphic novel too it's like a hard cover mm -hmm. it looks like when you pick it up it looks like an old book that you that's about to break that you would find in the trunk of a car of a distant relative like you know what i mean like a relative from years ago another generation it's quite exquisite what a remarkable way of telling a story with no words, uh, just just graphics. And, and the the art, like you said, is just beautiful. I was admiring it as he leafed through it. Um, just those, yeah, those gray tones, lovely. And there's a lot of detail. Like this is a highly detailed um, book from the larger splash pages with scenery um, to the minute details in a person's face or even on a person's um, like passport or visa or things like this and it is I, I always thought this would be a great book to have continuously on display somewhere because anybody walking in will find this book accessible and it should be I think on every language in every language arts classroom as well as every history classroom mm -hmm. absolutely accessible stunning. to kids yeah wow i've encountered that book a few times recently i haven't read it um i think i saw it in a bookstore the other day and it did jump out at me because it's just just a striking book in its visual and its presentation um it was also featured in on the guard in an article in the guardian um a couple days ago oh it was an article by Paul Gravett, who is the author of a new book called Mangasia. Mangasia? Oh. Anyway, the definitive guide to Asian comics. So it's a play on you know the word manga. Oh. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. And so he wrote this book, this article called, titled uh, From Mouse to Damara Drew, The Ten Graphic Novels Everyone Should Read. And... Um, Ironically, I don't think there was any Asian comics in there, which kind of irked me about it. Oh, that um, is ironic. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he did mention uh, The Arrival by Sean Tan, uh, which he says um, it follows a man who's gone on ahead of his wife and children to seek work abroad and struggles to navigate his alien surroundings in their indecipherable language. Unable to make himself understood, he resorts to making simple drawings to communicate his need for a room. The reader shares his bafflement and gradually grasps with him how his strange new homeland works. Tan's genius in children's picture books blossoms in this extended tale for all ages, illustrated in almost photographic sepia images. So that's, uh, yeah. 
it's an absolutely exquisite thing. Um, the artwork itself, um, it, it seems to me to mirror sort of a Victorian photography. Yes, yes. Yeah. And what I loved about it, and I had mentioned in a blog that I wrote, was the asynchronous items on the first page as stilled in time with exceptionally large guttering. Um, it seems to me, the way I interpreted it was the, um, the importance and equally the insignificance of the things that he is going to leave behind. Wow, that's a beautiful way of putting it. Yeah, it was, it was really striking. And I believe that words in this book are unnecessary. I remember talking about this with another group of teachers and library hopefuls and um, talking about it and them saying, you know, if only there was this. If I, and I was like, no, 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 no. Like language is totally unnecessary, totally unnecessary in this book. More mm -hmm. books, I think, should be written <laughs> wordless. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it gives you that greater sense of universality, you know, because if language entered immediately, you would be drawing very different kind of assumptions and stereotypes. And well, that's just it. Those. Yeah. And something else that it does. So there's this, there's this danger that kind of looms over it. And I had mentioned sort of the dark shadows and stuff, but they're all very reptilian. So I think you could even even though this seems to me to be drawn in a Victorian sort of time period, um, this the looming danger the the reptiles that are looming overhead like that could be today mm -hmm. you know just everything yeah. the corruption and all of those things that are happening in, in the world around us mm -hmm. so it was oh, it's beautiful i love it it's exquisite this book is exquisite okay uh so several months ago i think on this program i raved about a manga that i read and absolutely loved and that was my lesbian experience with loneliness by nagata kabi uh, and that was the story of a young Japanese woman who suffers from severe anxiety, depression, has various mental health issues. And she's in her late 20s. She lives at home. She can't hold down a job. She's realized she's lesbian but hasn't come out to anyone and lives most of her life on her cell phone and social media. Uh, so in the My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness, she tells this story in manga form. And it's just an incredibly personal, insightful um, story about herself. And she analyzes her experience in this really perceptive yet humorous way. Um, and the culmination of that story is when she goes to a lesbian escort agency and has her first sexual experience with a lesbian sex worker from that agency. So uh, it's a fantastic comic. I highly recommend. And of course, it launched the author Nagata Kabi. So it was autobiographical and it launched her from being an anxiety suffering and an unemployed woman to an internationally bestselling manga artist. Um, and the book was a huge hit. So I was very moved by the story, but I was also wondering, okay, how is she going to follow up with that? What's going to, what is she going to produce next? And her follow-up has now been translated and published in English, and it's called My Solo Exchange Diary, Volume 1. So what she does here, it's very similar in style to my lesbian experience with loneliness, but a little bit more structured. Um, the, the chapters are essentially a series of diary entries um, in manga form, and they're written almost as letters to herself. Um, and so she uh, exchanges these reflections with her past self. Uh, she kind of wrestles with her present self. Well, you know, she talks to herself uh, visually and, and in terms of words and makes all these resolutions and advice that she uh, uh, wants to give to her future self. So, yeah, so it's, it's a, a series of diary entries, basically. And I didn't think that she'd be able to um, really uh, improve on, on the level of 
honesty and, and personal depth um, that she presents in Lesbian Experience with Loneliness, but she does. This book is even more ruthlessly personal, and she just has this amazing ability to analyze uh, her faults, her herself, her feelings, and it doesn't always help her change her behavior, and that's what I kind of like. You know, it's, it's not a simple matter of understanding why she does certain things. She understands why she does certain things, but sh she really wrestles with how to change those behaviors, um, and I just thought that was really honest, the way that she talks about that. And so, of course, by the time this book opens, she's now become this best-selling author, but she still lives at home. She tries to move out a few times unsuccessfully, winds up moving back home. Um, she uh, hasn't even told her parents about her best-selling books because <laughs> um, she hasn't come out to them yet. And so this is one of the, the issues she wrestles with. And eventually she does you know, present them with, with these books. Oh my gosh, um, could you imagine? Yeah, yeah. You know, she's receiving letters from, from her publishers and, and copies of the books. And she just tells you know, her parents, oh, I'm just you know, trying to get some stuff published. And, <laughs> you know, where at, well, she's actually um, you know, got this hit book out. Um, and she also wrestles throughout the book with her relationship with her mother. Uh, in a lot of ways and it reminded me almost of uh, Alison Bechdel's book Are You My Mother because mm -hmm. she really and she reflects you know and really tries to come to terms with her relationship with her mother um, her her father is, is kind of a, a very distant cold presence and she actually worries about her mother if she leaves her that's one of the reasons she keeps coming home and you know she really wants to engage emotionally with her mother and she really re but also realizes she has to at some point cut ties and move out on her own and and have her own life so these are some of the personal things that, that she wrestles with um, and and the other thing that really struck me about the book was the way she goes in depth about her relationship and I think by extension our relationship in our society uh, with social media because she is uh, one of these people who lives most of her life through her cell phone and on her social media that's how she engages uh, and then once she becomes a, a, a topic in social media when she publishes this book everyone's talking about her which changes the dynamic that she experiences online and you know at first it's very thrilling seeing all the people talking about her seeing herself this the focus of attention in all these online forums where she used to talk about other people then she kind of starts engaging with some of these commentators and then suddenly you know her world kind of flips upside down because she realizes what she says there will have an impact on her professional identity mm -hmm. and this used to be the space where she was free to be herself and all of a sudden because once she's successful she feels constrained and unable to be free in this one space that she owned previously and so she really wrestles with that and, and how to navigate her changing relationship with social media and other social media users and it's you know very much an issue that people face in this day and age absolutely but I've never really seen explored uh, as, as as deeply and clearly so I yeah I highly recommend it that's awesome. My, I have a colleague at um, the library, and she spoke to me just last week, I think, about um, my lesbian experience with loneliness. And she said that she had never really read anything like that before. And it really shocked her, it, how shocking it was and how, you know, the direction that it took and the representation that it gave. But it just, it, it shocked her as a, from a personal experience, just saying, like, more things like this need to be out there. Okay, so it was a positive. It was a positive, experience. shocking experience. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, but like she just, she had been waiting to read something like that, and mm -hmm. here it was all of a sudden. Yeah, it's it just she really has this incredible ability to get just ruthlessly personal and open and honest, and 
I think there's something about presenting it in manga form because it's you mm-hmm. know the the art is that over the top exaggerated manga style mm-hmm. it looks kind of silly it's it's you can't help laugh you know yeah. at the way she portrays herself and the people around her yet that helps to somehow uh, nuance the really powerful and painful sometimes stories that she's telling you know there's this uh, somehow regulates your emotional experience of of this um and, and helps put it in the context you know you could be it could be it could present as a very tragic read but there's almost a, a whimsical aspect to it that's you know oh look how ridiculous we are as human beings you know yeah. it, it just helps set that broader context and and it really um irritates me in some ways so uh my personal beef lately has been all the hype around uh nick dernazzo's sabrina Um, oh yes sabrina yeah yeah, Mm -hmm. which is being lauded everywhere as being this graphic novel that um has reached unparalleled heights in terms of tackling and and expositing our society's alienation and our alienated experience of social media and all this stuff and it is a really good graphic novel but like it doesn't come close to what the depth uh uh, that nagatakabi does and the way she presents that alienation you know like i i think it's a far superior um presentation but i i fear it doesn't somehow get taken as seriously because it's manga i wonder if there is this okay so sabrina reminds me of daniel klaus's books Right, it does. There's something there, and he is such a star in the publishing industry where graphic novels are concerned. But I don't necessarily love his books, hmm. right? And a lot of the times when I read what's on the Man Booker lists and all all of these like ex, like top literary lists, often I just don't like the books, right? Mm-hmm. And like I'm a huge reader, and I read a lot of everything, and I, I just they they depress me or they're too long-winded like I don't know what it is right but there's something that's missing and with this Sabrina it really reminds me of Klaus's books and I'm wondering if the greater society and our greater media outlets just haven't figured out graphic novels well enough yet that they're just sort of you know reaching to something that they know something about so if it's similar to this thing that was really well lauded for so many years well maybe then that's where we need to go and so they're missing the mark on so many of these other really exquisite things i I think that's totally a a huge part of it it's kind of like sabrina is and these other graphic novels are almost like gateway comics um for for people who are first discovering and that's what surprises me you know when especially when a graphic novel appears for the first time on the banned booker list or or people talk about comics have finally achieved literary status and i'm like oh, where have these achieved. people been for the last 20 years Seriously. you know <laughs> I, I thought right? we went through this 20 years yeah. ago <laughs> didn't didn't we already win a pulitzer prize like it's been a while but still people come on but no like that really upsets me and i read a new, the, an article both from the new york times and the new yorker about sabrina and as i'm reading it, i'm going i don't know if this is a book i want to read so i have it on hold at the library so when it comes in i'll get it and i'll read it that way but it's like i don't think i'm ready to go and buy that yet yeah right it's just i don't know there's something missing for me mm-hmm. there on yeah i i well we'll have to have a chat about it once once we, we all read it yeah um, but yeah you know it's it's certainly got some strong things going for it but it's i'm i, I don't there's better comics out there in my opinion and you know, and I wonder too, a comic written by, you know, a Western man versus a manga written by a, a queer Japanese woman. It's unfortunate that the latter doesn't always get the 
recognition it should. Absolutely. Yeah, so there's there's a... Oh, you have another comic. I do. I have one more. Oh, good. I, it's just a fun one for the summer. So it's called Spell on Wheels, and it's <laughs> it's about three witches in their 20s. And I love it because I love all things with witches. <laughs> I grew up in... Uh, my favorite show growing up was Charmed or my... You know what I mean? Or Buffy or things like that. So when there's um, a tight-knit group of, of girlfriends and they just happen to be witches and have tattoos of athames or they're holding tarot cards on the cover of the book, like, I'm going to buy it, even if it's no good. So it's written by Kate Leth, who is quite well-known in the in the comics industry, and I really do like her. And she does write strong female characters. So it's about these three witches that all live together, and but they're just like normal 20-something women as well. Um, but one of them has uh, an evil ex who's sort of hell-bent on becoming magical himself, even though he's like a wicked muggle, right? Like there's nothing <laughs> magical about him. And um, so he steals some of their... Um, charmed objects and stuff like that and then kind of um, sells them on what would be like a, a black market kind of eBay thing and but there's a greater evil at work here that's kind of taking over this man or this man's working with this greater evil so they go on this road trip across the east coast of the United States to go and find all of their stolen objects and artifacts and um, they meet some pretty cool people including a satyr which is like super fun wow. <laughs> and uh, it's just it's just a real Really, it's just a fun, light read. The colors are bright and vibrant. It's everything that you sort of want for, you know, a women's road trip with a little bit of magic. So I, I really enjoyed it. Not high literary. Don't expect a lot of stuff like that. But if you're looking for something fun um, and magical and, you know, with some strong women in it, then this is this is the way to be. There's also really good representation in it. And um, what I love is reading comics about women and the women are curvy and they're imperfect in their physical appearances. So there needs to be more of that. And so I, I really did. I, I had a great time with this. And apparently there's a second volume out now, so I'm going to have to go and find that one too. Okay. I was wondering if it's an ongoing series. Yeah. Or, okay. Oh, that, that looks really fun. Okay. Yeah. I'm just totally like that really what it was for me it was that the women on the front and one of them's holding a tarot card and I love my tarot cards and then this other woman has an Athame tattooed on her arm and it's like yes oh. <laughs> oh that's great okay that goes on my list as well so it's spell on wheels so super fun and you know not as involved I don't think as the other two that we were talking about but it's fun to end on a light note absolutely okay so there's some book recommendations for you and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with our next book club episode. That's right. We're going to read Drama, the middle school graphic novel by Raina Telgemeier, which I, I love. And I'm super glad we're reading it because it's often on the banned books list across North America. So um, that's one that's highly contested every year since its publication. So it'll be fun to talk about that one. Yeah, I find that so perplexing, but I'll save my commentary on that for, for the next episode. Yeah. Okay, so uh, join us then, and in the meantime, enjoy your comics. Yeah, happy reading. You've been listening to The Comic Critics, a radio program and podcast produced at CHMRFM in St. John's, Newfoundland, and Labrador. We'll be back in about two weeks with more comic-related popular culture.